0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: Ah yes, the magnificent Trolley Sour Bright Crawler, also known as Trollicus Brightolus. The worm's captivating neon color makes it an easy gummy prey. It's a surprisingly sour, invitingly chewy, staggeringly snackable species unlike anything else found on this planet. Eat me! Delicious. Visit trolly.com to shop now. Trolly, eat me! This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine, and this is episode 143. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host this week, we have a podcast special as we welcome back chef, author and expert on all things Japanese, Tim Anderson. Tim's new book, Tokyo Stories, explores the eclectic food scene in Tokyo through stories and recipes, covering everything from vendor machines to ramen bars to futuristic dining. We talk about why convenience stores make the best fried chicken, how Tokyo Pizza is given Italy a run for its money, and why it's almost impossible to get a bad meal in this incredible city. It's a fascinating chat with loads of recommendations of where and what to eat and drink. So don't be surprised if you're looking up flights after listening to this one. Okay, so I am delighted to welcome back to the podcast, Tim Anderson. Hi, Tim. Hi, thank you. Um, I've come down to his Japanese soul food restaurant, Namban in Brixton. um, And we're going to talk all about his new book, Tokyo Stories. Um, But first, I just wanted to mention that if you want to... Hear more about Tim than than in this podcast, and there's a lot to hear about. Um, we did a great episode; uh, it's episode 69, where we talked all about his food journey, his Master Chef journey, setting up Namban, and his love for Japanese food and where they all came from. So, I would urge you to go and check that out. But no, today we're talking about Tokyo Story. So, yeah. it's your new book. It's um, it's kind of a love letter to Tokyo. It is. in story and and lots of recipe form, and yep. we've got an extract in the March issue of Olive. Um, One thing that struck me when I was reading the intro, because I did briefly go to Tokyo for about four days, a Mm. mad whistle-stop journey, is um, when you talk about, when you reference Paris Syndrome. Yes. So tell us about (laughs) that, because I thought that was quite funny.
0: Paris Syndrome is an apparently real condition, a real thing, um, where people go to Paris expecting it to be beautiful and and twinkly and romantic, like a fairy tale, Uh, like Moulin Rouge or an American in Paris. um, And then they find that it's just Paris. (laughs) It's just another kind of dirty, smelly, big city with rude people. And I love Paris. I love Paris. But if I went to Paris thinking, oh, it's going to be... Yeah. amazing, like a, you know, like a movie. Like you
1: were just going to fall into a little bistro and get, right. and pay, like, a couple of, you know, euros for a gorgeous meal. Yeah. And then suddenly you're paying, like, I don't know. Which,
0: don't get me wrong, can happen yeah. in, in Paris. <laughs> but, like, if you're walking down the Champs-Élysées, you're not going to really have that no. to happen to you. So, so apparently... People uh, can get so disappointed with Paris that yeah. it crushes them, and it causes them to be depressed and anxious, <laughs> and they can even have like uh, they can hyperventilate and things like that when they when they realize that Paris is is very disappointing. Yeah.
1: Why am I not getting my Paris dream? Exactly.
0: Why? Um, I don't know how real this actually is, but it is documented in, in medical journals. Okay. But it <laughs> can apply it. to any situation where you're like your expectations are so high, yeah. your hopes are so high. And then your disappointment is just so <laughs> defeating. <laughs> We've all had that yeah. in, in different ways.
1: And I guess the reason that's relevant to Tokyo is because that's never going to happen in Tokyo. It doesn't Tokyo.
0: happen. <laughs> I think something like the opposite happens. Yeah. Where you expect it to be awesome. Yeah. And it is overwhelmingly awesome. <laughs> it's, like, it's For me, the first time I went to Tokyo, it was so kind of um, stimulating. Yeah. And so diverting. And so like, there was so much to take in. I almost don't remember, like, I don't remember it very well because it it was, like, dizzying. Yeah. Um, It's a very vertical, very colorful, very loud, very busy city, as everybody knows, um, from movies and everything. But when you actually are in it, it, it takes on a whole you know, it, it, it totally overwhelms you
1: yeah. and
0: in a good way, I yeah. think. Um, but I was really intimidated by Tokyo the first time I went and it, it took me a, a few trips to really get to grips with it. Yeah. I still wouldn't even consider myself an expert on Tokyo because it is so big and so dense and diverse. Mm. There's just so much to see and do and eat there. It's incredible. And
1: so many different things that you can experience yeah. there. Like you've got, for example, there's the, um, we went to the Golden Guy. Yes, which is a yeah. bit, which is kind of Blade Runner esque, isn't it? It's can you... on a rainy day,
0: it would be. Yeah, a yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> rainy night rather, because it's
1: kind of like this little gathering of all these tiny little bars and
0: yeah, the little bars, little street stalls, uh, you know, little you know, light boxes and, and neon and stuff like that yeah. around. Smoke pouring out of the, of the yakitori kitchens and yeah. things like that. I mean, and, the, the, and that's that, quite
1: downbeat, isn't it? That's that quite is. Like, yeah. yeah, that's yeah.
0: like, and that's. One thing I kind of realized about this last trip to Tokyo, um, wh- I, I realized how little I actually know about the city yeah. um, because it's been colored by my experiences of going kind of where I want to go. Yeah. On this one, I was with Nasima Rothaker, the photographer okay. who has a very different, um, she has different kind of things she's interested in uh, compared to me. So she wanted to go to things like temples and gardens yeah. and like. I like those too, but I n- never think of them as even being in Tokyo. But it's
1: crazy because they are right there in <laughs> the are. center. You can just you just turn a you can turn a corner and suddenly you're in the most beautiful, serene, right
0: temple. Absolutely, which I you know I, I kind of forgot about or didn't realize um, that there is that almost Kyoto aspect yeah, 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 of Tokyo yeah, yeah. as yeah. well. Um, and we went to parts of town, kind of old, uh, like the old, old downtown town, yeah. in the east side of Tokyo, looking for specific dishes that are in mm. the book. And we found that these parts of town are are actually quite peaceful and serene, and there's uh, like, and they're just neighborhoods. Like, yeah,
1: you come out of the high rise to kind of normal neighborhoods. Yeah,
0: like kids going to school, old ladies with shopping carts, like cute little cafes. Um, it, It it kind of drove home the idea. Because when you visit Tokyo, obviously, like you just think it's this kind of wonderland yeah. um, of activity and 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 fun and yeah. arcades and karaoke and food. Yeah. Um, but then you, you have to think that people actually live there. And
1: people live there, you know? there as well. Yeah. And a lot what, a lot of people live there. And as what's
0: well. that like? Like yeah. you have to have these pockets of of serenity yeah, in this yeah, crazy yeah. city. Um, otherwise, you'd go yeah. mad. I think. Like because the the busy busy parts of Tokyo are are really over the top. And it'd yeah, be like, like living the... on the Vegas Strip
1: i think when we i think one of the places we went to Tava um okonomiyaki was was uh, on the 7th floor <laughs> of in the district the, the, the electronic district you oh, know where like they just yeah. yeah and and you've got these like women just on massive big electronic billboards yep. like just again very blade Runner-esque, runneresque yeah. shouting out the kind of deals of the day and you're yeah. walking around and you're just literally bamboozled by all of this information and these voices and noises and it's so funny because
0: for a culture like japanese culture is kind of known for um for zen
1: politeness and politeness and
0: um and and beautiful kind of minimalistic art uh and, and architecture but it's, it's also totally the opposite. It is so loud and, and noisy and
1: brashy. Yeah, in, in your places. face as well, yeah. yeah.
0: And I, I love that. I love yeah, that yeah, yeah. about Japan. And I always have... And now I, I realize that you can actually have that contrast even just within Tokyo, Yeah. you know. Um, I mean, there's some beautiful shots just from little local temples that we yeah, wandered yeah, into yeah, yeah. in this book. Um, and they were really nice, like, to just wander around them and, and pause and breathe for a yeah. second in Tokyo.
1: So... The the book, I really like the way it's organized because you said you wanted to organize it. It, It's organized according according to levels as if you were going up in a lift. Yeah. So you start in the basement and then you go all the way up to the top floor. And and actually, a lot of Tokyo is, um, I found when I was trying to find something it would be it would be on the fourth floor or yeah. something where there was a shop underneath and something else underneath yeah. it wasn't like necessarily all you would just come out of a lift and there'd be a tiny little restaurant there
0: it's quite unique in that in how vertical it is have,
1: it's a vertical city yeah. isn't it? yeah um,
0: I was thinking uh, of cities that you could compare it to in that sense and um, there are cities I've been to in Korea Seoul and Busan right. are, are a bit like that as well um, but it, it's totally different from the kind of cities that we have in Europe and America, yeah. where more or less everything that you want to do is on the ground floor. Yeah. Um, maybe there's some basement places and places, uh, you know, in hotels or whatever. Yeah. Um, But you know, you walk into Shinjuku or Shibuya or anywhere that's got a bit of a nightlife, uh, a bit of nightlife there, and you look up at the buildings, and you can see there are izakaya, there are bars, yeah. restaurants up to the. Tenth, ninth? Yeah. Whatever floor. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. as high as they'll go. They just stack them yeah. up basically.
1: And it's not like it's a whole block of bars and restaurants. It'll just be the rest of it might be offices and then the restaurants yeah. on the like. Yeah. It could be
0: a real mix of things. Yeah. Um it, it's just incredible. Like that's the other thing about Tokyo is like you can you think you've uh, got a good feel for an area (laughs) because you've been into a lot of places there and you can see what's around you. But then you realize you haven't even scratched the surface because you haven't gone up or down. Because (laughs) if you go into the subways, into the... um, the, I mean, there's huge subterranean shopping arcades and and they're all connected to the the subway stations, the train stations. And sometimes you walk through these stations and these shopping arcades and you don't know where one ends and where the other begins. And then all of a sudden...
1: corridors connecting and yeah
0: and then all of a sudden you're in like a department store food hall which is also in the basement like Shinjuku Station Um, by the way Shinjuku Station don't ever say I'll meet you at Shinjuku Station (laughs) because because (laughs) it is enormous and complicated and that has never been successful for anybody ever (laughs) Um, like there are literally I think three or four department stores that are actually connected to Shinjuku Station so like you can go walk right out of a ticket gate and you're in um you know a depachika surrounded yeah. by beautiful japanese confections yeah, 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 like
1: yeah. it's incredible yeah. it's
0: just like i can't think of anywhere else that's really like that no. that i've been
1: no i mean yeah it's it's it is a ball of confusion it is a ball of
0: confusion <laughs> but like, again like, but like stimulus not, yeah
1: but, yeah they, they, everyone who, who lives there they, they've got it all worked out it's like it's our problem basically
0: yeah but, it is because they obviously they think it's probably taken for granted and they kind of walk right yeah, past it and exactly. block it out yeah,
1: yeah but, so let's talk about the Depo Chica because that is that is on your levels that's a lower ground so that's the kind of department stores and basement food halls which when I went there I just thought it was like some kind of insane temple to food some of them some of them were just literally you don't even want to touch the food because it just it's so beautiful and so amazing some of it's very very expensive yeah yeah, square watermelons was one thing they had when I was there (laughs) and I believe they were Hundreds and hundreds of pounds just yeah, for
0: one. Yeah, they, they can be. Even mangoes can go. Yeah, uh, because they're go for the
1: that. most perfect mangoes you'll ever see. Right. Yeah.
0: And they're given as gifts. Um, I mean, so Depachika yeah. is short for. Um, Depato chico which means department store underground yeah um and they've always been the food hall level sometimes there's two levels of food halls um and also they'll have usually restaurants at the top of the department store so there's more food in there but that's where you go for the the shopping and they can range from um i mean it's always they're always good they can range from sort of just good supermarkets like gourmet supermarkets to a a totally other level of, of food shopping with incredibly good produce perfect produce yeah um great selections of sake and wine and confections western and japanese um given as gifts or just you know uh, bought as a snack um they've got bento boxes you can buy they've got all kinds of hot food being prepared um it's it's a little bit like kind of the world's best food court.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because you can go and there's counters with guys preparing yeah. fresh food, like as yeah. well as stuff to buy. So there's so. a
0: recipe in Tokyo Stories for crab shumai. Oh, okay, um, which are Chinese, really. Yeah, uh, but they'll, you'll always find them in a, in a depechica. Uh, being steamed on mass in these oh, huge nice. bamboo so steamers. Oh, nice! little
1: shumai dumplings. Yeah, and they're just yeah.
0: a great like. Who doesn't want a little dumpling pick me up?
1: <laughs> I, I just want dumpling pick me ups all day. Basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, I use the depa chica to uh, as a frame framework to explain Japanese ingredients. Yeah, uh, which you have to do in a Japanese cookbook. <laughs> yeah. um, but they're they're just fascinating. Like I always spend so much time in them because uh, for me they're a good way to learn. Yeah, about you know. Not just Japanese food, but also what are people in Tokyo or Japan, yeah. what are they eating? Yeah. What are they interested in in terms of food? Because it's not just Japanese stuff no. down there. Um, it's it's a range. We used to have to go, when I lived in Japan, if we wanted good cheese, right. we'd have to go to the department store installed. basement. Because that was the place that sold the good gourmet cheese. <laughs> you couldn't just get it at the local at convenience. local cheese used to
1: be a... a I mean, it wasn't not it wasn't available, but it's it's not naturally in the Japanese diet, is it? Dairy no, a lot, but they, then, did they, it become like a like a lot of the things, like the adopting of a Western thing, because it became like a craze or something to have cheese or a it's a bit a gourmet, trendy, yeah,
0: yeah, it got a bit trendy. Um, it's still not what I would call a, a mainstream. Food like yeah. it, it, you can't. I don't know. They do use a lot of cheese in Japan, but it tends to be like kind of bland, melty cheese. Yeah, the cheese.
1: more like melty American. Yeah, melty American
0: or mozzarella stuff yeah. like that. um There's a there's a camembert is popular, but it's like a really kind of mild, like creamy of yeah. thing. Yeah, they tend to go for the mild, sweet, creamier cheeses. Yeah,
1: so um, nothing too funky also, which is no. strange <laughs> considering you've got like some of the, you know, like natto and you it's, know
0: it's a different kind it's of mad funky. that you wouldn't go
1: for <laughs> the funk. Um, yeah. And then um and then the next level, which I loved reading all about this, um, which is street level. Mm. So you've got your subway station kiosk, convenience yep. stores, and vending machines. Yeah. Um, so like normally, you know, 7-Eleven or your local yes. little corner shop, we would be like, oh yeah, there might be some Dodge sandwiches in yeah. the fridge or whatever. <laughs> but convenience stores in Japan are completely different, aren't they? Yeah, I mean,
0: they're unbelievably good for, well, everything, but including food um, yeah. and drinks. The... Uh, the reason behind this, I think, is I read about them a while ago. Yeah, It's because they have a really unique distribution model where um, they keep their warehouses and their production centers close, as close as possible, centrally located to different branches. Oh yeah, right. So that. they can so, produce food and yeah. deliver it very, very quickly, which means they can um, get multiple deliveries throughout the day. So they don't hold stock for very long. Okay. So if you get a sandwich in a convenience store, yeah. it's usually very fresh. Um, I don't think I've seen a sandwich on a convenience store shelf in Japan that's more than a day old.
1: So like as fresh as if you went into Pret, for example, yeah, here and exactly. got, your, got your like, we make it today, we sell it today kind right. of thing. And, yeah.
0: and they've got sushi and, and rice balls on a guinea in the same kind of, uh, you know, similarly fresh and salads. But then they also do um, a lot of really great hot food, yeah. prepared food, um, which I didn't really realize that they're actually cooking on-premises until I had a closer look on this last trip. Oh, okay. So you can get fried chicken in convenience stores. Yeah.
1: And they're frying it... What They're, making they're frying the fried it chi- there. <laughs> yeah, because I thought That's it was crazy. the kind of thing
0: where they have it fried and elsewhere. Then, yeah, and then just heat it up. And whack it in an yeah, oven or something. Yeah. Or a, a merry chef, I don't know. Uh, and then put it in a hot cupboard. And yeah. there you go. Keep but I know they have little fryers <laughs> behind the cashiers, which is amazing. Yeah. And and the other thing I love um, especially is Oden. Oden is this... Um, it's a dashi-based kind of stew, so it's a, it's a really light but very flavorful dashi, yeah. Um, with uh, things in it <laughs> that have been sort of slow cooking oh, yeah. and just <laughs> soaking up that dashi in hot nice. held for ages. So you go and it's all on skewers, and you um, pick out the bits of veg and meat, and sometimes there's octopus tentacles in there that you can you can pick out and choose yourself.
1: Oh, really? And, and add to your stew. Add to
0: your stew, and then you you get it in this big plastic tub with a handle on the side and you top it up with the broth and they charge you by the it's so gear.
1: insane it's I've... so
0: insane and it's all it's in a convenience store and it's great it's like it's so warming and like uh wholesome yeah like in the winter having that bucket of steaming dashi <laughs> with daikon and tofu and yeah, stuff yeah. in it it's just the best like
1: your sinuses and it's from out. a convenience store yeah. like can you
0: imagine that in this country or or anywhere really
1: and they because we were saying about sandwiches, so one of the things that is super trendy at the minute is the sand, sand sando katsu sando yeah. and um yeah egg sando i think is really big in california at the minute yeah because so, of uh combi, yeah, those guys of those in la combi guys, yeah. yeah so that i mean that's um but i think you said most of the sandos are pretty bland so <laughs> you so Like you should always go for the katsu.
0: Sure, yeah. There's, I I would say, go for the ones that are uh, have a nice sauce on them.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) otherwise it's just a bit of. uh,
0: I'll tell you what. There's, there's something for me that's like a nice nostalgic thing, uh, nostalgic flavor in like the the basic egg mayo or ham and cheese sandwiches that they do. Yeah, yeah. White bread. It's really basic. Just. You know, well it's Japanese mayonnaise, so it's got a bit more flavour. A bit,
1: more, um, tang to a bit it.
0: more tang than our, our mayo. Um, it's like
1: they took the worst the worst of us. And yeah. like, you know, like our Western Western sandwiches, white bread, yeah, bland filling, we'll <laughs> have some of that. It's like but, we can do better than that. But
0: for me those are those took a, a certain box when I'm in a certain mood. Um, I like
1: I I'm i I'm definite whenever some as far as sandwiches go, if I'm making them at home, I'm very much kind of, I just want cheese and pickle or ham yeah. and cheese. Or, you know, sometimes you just don't want a million things in your sandwich. No,
0: you just want, it's comfort food. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you keep it basic. But like, so there are genuinely delicious sandwiches in convenience stores. My favorite is the teriyaki, you can get a teriyaki chicken sandwich with a, like a perfectly boiled Sort of half, uh, half-cooked egg. Oh,
1: that's nice. Like a, a perfectly medium <laughs> oil. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, And and the way they cut it so that the egg yolk faces out. Yeah. Uh, when it's sliced, is is actually kind of beautiful. Like it's just so great presentation. Cool. Yeah. yeah,
1: like everything. <laughs> everything. Just nail in the presentation, even um, on a simple sandwich. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I usually when you eat anywhere, especially when you travel, you don't want to go to convenience stores. Yeah. In Japan, I think it's absolutely the opposite. I think that if Go you there. don't eat at yeah. a convenience store in Japan, you are missing out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you genuinely are. And, and and that's, you know, we haven't even scratched the surface. We could talk all day long about convenience store all. stuff um, because then there's there's drinks, there's teas, there's beer, there's uh, cocktails in a can, there's there's crisps and candy and, and uh, steamed dumplings. It's They're just amazing.
1: I want to live there. Because <laughs> yeah. the you were saying... Um, as well on the vending machines because one of the things that struck me was you said they do vending machines do this really incredible soup which you've got (laughs) called corn potage which is is, um, very posh name for soup it is Um, (laughs) because obviously here we're used to soup coming out of vending machines which is pretty rank basically so but you're saying they do a really a really good one
0: they do a really good yeah this corn it's a sweet corn soup in a can it's a little steel can it's it's not an amazing corn soup. It's a it's a good one. Um, but one of the best things about it is actually the warmth of the yeah, can yeah, in yeah, your yeah. hands on a cold day. On a
1: freezing cold day.
0: Yeah. And then the soup's really nice.
1: Yeah. And you also said that they do quite good, um is it Chuhai, the yeah. sochu-based
0: kind <laughs> yeah. of? Yeah. So Chuhai is short for shochu highball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I
1: love the sound of
0: that. Oh, they're great. They're, they're a measure of, and there's a recipe in here, they're a measure yeah. of shochu, which is Japanese liquor, Yeah, um, which is not as strong as like vodka, uh, and it's got a bit more flavor uh but a generous measure of that and then you can make it however you like sometimes they use fruit syrups or juices uh, but I like the really basic really dry ones so just soda water and lemon or or yuzu and grapefruit things like that
1: nice flavors yeah yeah.
0: um they're like they're fun and they're fizzy um but they're not sickly sweet not usually anyway so you can have a lovely night out with those
1: (laughs) (laughs) just sitting on a bench somewhere sitting on a bench
0: um (laughs) Uh, or, or smuggled into karaoke
1: boxes, which I don't
0: endorse, but I did. I used to do the, that when I lived there. Smuggle
1: them into the cinema, that's, that's allowed. I think you could
0: buy them at the cinema. Can you? Oh, I think okay. so, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised anyway.
1: Let's go on to the next level, which is Tokyo Local. So um, in your intro, you say that Tokyo doesn't have many local specialities, mainly because it's so cosmopolitan, taking yeah. so many things in. But But there are a few things... That you would associate with Tokyo, um, I think mainly soba, ramen, and sushi. Particular yeah. types of.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think a lot of capital cities are the same. Yeah. That uh, I think so. I think a lot of local foods are really kind of constructed. Yeah. You know. Um, Sometimes they they really are because of the surrounding agriculture or or fishing or whatever, what comes from the land and sea around that area. Um, But sometimes, like, you just need something to be famous for. Yeah. If you're a capital (laughs) city, you don't need that. So you don't bother trying to make your own local food. Um, uh, But... It, it turns out that Tokyo actually does have quite a lot of distinctly local Tokyo things. Yeah. Um, so sushi is one. edo yeah. Edo-mae sushi. Uh, edo is the old name for T- Tokyo. Tokyo,
1: I found that out today yeah. reading your book. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, and Edo period is the, the period that used to be called the Tokugawa period um, from the beginning of the 1600s to the middle of the 19th century. Um where power was that's when Tokyo became the capital. Okay and, and power and culture was consolidated there. Yeah. Um Edomai just means um Tokyo Bay. So Edomai sushi is meant to be sushi that uses produce that comes from Tokyo Bay. Oh
1: I see. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um now Edomai sushi uh, doesn't have to be that. In fact, the fish can come from all over the place. Um, but the name they still use as a sort of indicator of traditional methods and quality. Yeah. Um, but because Tokyo is the... Um, you know, the, it's the it's where all the fish comes into the country yeah. uh, through. Used to be Tsukiji Market, oh, the
1: Tsukiji market and now yeah. it's uh,
0: I think Toyosu where they moved. I might be wrong about that, yeah. but anyway, all the fish or most of the fish comes into the country through Tokyo. So people in Tokyo get first like dips. first pick, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the right. fish. So there's great sushi yeah. everywhere, and it, it what it is where sushi was first invented. Um, it was a street food originally. Uh, Based on use, originally based on uh, a fermented fish and rice dish. And over time, instead of fermenting to preserve the fish and rice, they started to use vinegar, seasoned vinegar. Um, and that's how we wound up oh, with so sushi the season, as we know today—the
1: sushi rice. So the, so then all the the vinegar goes into the rice then and stays away from the fish because you don't need to preserve it. Anymore. Right. So, so that,
0: it, it was—it's kind of a weird leap that yeah. they took from actually using the vinegar to preserve the food oh, to just serving to it just as a kind of seasoning. Seasoning the rice. Yeah. 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 They do say that part of the reason that you that nobody really gets sick from sushi. Uh, is because there's little things in it oh, in, in terms the of the seasoning, yeah, that are antibacterial mm. or antimicrobial. So the vinegar, the salt, um, the soy sauce. Yeah. Uh, they even say wasabi and ginger mm. um, can help kill bacteria. So
1: and sushi quite a it's quite a universal thing, isn't it? I, I know you can drop a lot of money going to like a sushi or sashimi oh, yes. place like yeah. the really like a lot of a money. lot of money but then you can also go to a really lovely sushi bar and sit at the counter yeah. and order piece by piece and not spend a lot of money
0: there's a huge range of of um of levels yeah. and, and price points for sushi yeah um <laughs> i uh i've never had a really really expensive sushi meal because i think it would be wasted on me to be totally totally yeah. honest like i'm I'm not a big sushi nerd. Right. Um, I'm a big ramen nerd. Yeah. I'd be more prone to spend 100 pounds on a bowl of ramen
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> than, than on a sushi meal.
1: That's de- that is dedication. It is. yeah.
0: <laughs> but Nobody charges that much. Yeah. So I haven't had the opportunity. But yeah, so there's also um, conveyor belt sushi, yeah. which is uh, usually of a decent standard. Yeah. Like it's obviously not the best sushi, but it's fun. Yeah. It's very cheap. And it's often um, if you want to see the, the kind of high tech side of Japan, yeah. that's often a good place to do it because they'll have screen menus where you order your food can come along on a conveyor belt and it'll start to beep when it yep. reaches your table and flash. <laughs> seriously
1: yeah i'm yours
0: <laughs> yeah and then uh, there's a chute built into the table where you put your plates and there's a chip inside each plate that counts it up oh and then gives you your bill
1: take me there now <laughs> it's uh, it's
0: cool <laughs> it's yeah. really fun
1: and also with um because you we were just saying back to ramen yeah that is really associated with tokyo isn't it
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing about ramen is every, not everywhere, but a lot of places in Japan have um, a variation. Yeah. Yeah, that that they're very famous for. Yeah. So miso ramen in Hokkaido, Sapporo, um, tokotsu in Kyushu, uh, and all these things in between. Um, But Tokyo has a few distinct styles that are Tokyo's own. Yeah. One is like an old school Tokyo shoyu ramen, like a a soy sauce with a lightish broth, usually a mix of chicken. and pork, but mainly chicken, right. uh, and usually flavored with uh, dried sardines, niboshi. Okay. Um, so you get this kind
1: of—it's really of, very yeah, deep, but also normal.
0: quite light. Um, and it, it kind of—it's uh, it, got a very Japanese flavor, for lack okay. of a better word, because it's got that dried seafood element. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that, uh, and, and and simple basic toppings: roast pork, bamboo shoots, stuff like that. Then there's the the more modern stuff. Um, and the more creative stuff, like skaymen. Skaymen is dipping ramen, where the noodles are served on the side.
1: Oh, with a to uh, dip into the soup. Yeah,
0: and the broth is very, very concentrated and highly seasoned, um, which is then at the end of the meal diluted with water, so you can drink it as yeah. a soup. Um, so that was invented in Tokyo at a place called Taishoken, and that's sort of swept the the capital. That's a huge trend now in in Tokyo. Um, and then you get these sort of oddball ramen, like ramen jiro. Ramen jiro. Um, is is such an extreme bowl of ramen that some people (laughs) consider it not ramen. (laughs) Like it is. It's it's the same kind of, it's ramen noodles in a meaty broth. But it is huge, for one thing. It's absolutely enormous, the portion size. Um, It is very, very fatty. Like they put, I don't know how much back fat in the broth. And then you can top it if you want to with more back fat. So just slabs just, of back fat that it's just has been boiled. T-
1: taking ramen and just amping it right up yeah. to the point where it's going to explode. And it's seasoned
0: with MSG and wow. soy sauce and a lot of them. Um, and you can garnish it with raw minced garlic and a lot of it. And then piles and piles and piles of uh, cabbage and bean sprouts. So it is just this voluminous, literally over the top, like it's yeah. an overflowing bowl of ramen um, with enormous amount of fat and salt in it. And and these coarse sort of angry noodles in them,
1: (laughs) angry noodles. I love it. They're
0: just really hard. They're like they're like these tough as nails noodles, (laughs) Um, and I love it. It's a great bowl of ramen. But every time I eat it, I I feel very ill.
1: You need need to
0: lie down after it. You need to lie down. Um, where but were, th- this place has a huge cult following and they've got many so imitators. So one place
1: that does this? So
0: it started off as one place in, in Mita, Ramen yeah. Jiro, but then he um, kind of franchised it out. So there's right. loads it's of Ramen Jiro ball. around town now. Okay. Um, and I think outside of Tokyo as well.
1: Yeah. Because the other thing that I noticed about when, when I was going to Tokyo was someone sent me to somewhere in Tokyo train station <laughs> to eat ramen. Oh, yeah. Because again, that's quite, you know, the... Yeah. It's quite normal to just, for people to just stop off on their way back from work. Or, totally. Yeah. Have so, a bowl of ramen.
0: Yeah. Did you go to the Michelin star place? I think that's in Tokyo Station. I can't oh, remember the name of it now.
1: I, I'm not sure what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was good ramen. It was yeah. really good. Because it was another place where you literally, a bit like you said, saying about your um, your sushi, where you just order everything from a machine and then go right, and pick yeah. it up from yeah. just again it's the tickets
0: just tickets on the outside yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: crazy but yeah um cool and then um another level we you were talking about in the book is is Tokyo global because as we've said Tokyo takes influence from so many other places and and i think what was your um there was a statistic about the foreigners living in Tokyo was something like 0.2% or it's, something, it's, uh, or 0.02%. Yeah, the the
0: foreign-born population is, yeah. is incredibly small. It's, yeah. it's less than 1%. There are more people there who are, um, uh, you know, of uh, non-Japanese ethnicity who, have, who, who were born in Japan. Yeah. So I don't think they're not really accounted for in the census no. for some reason. Um, the, but that's not a big number either. No. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's remarkable to me that Japan or Tokyo is so cosmopolitan yeah. when it has actually so few non-Japanese yeah, yeah, exactly. people in it.
1: Yeah, It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, which is, I think, an important point, actually, because I think a lot of people think of Japan as kind of closed off. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just absolutely the opposite. No. I think that people in Japan are extremely open-minded, yeah. um, always interested in uh, trying new things from other <laughs> places, and, and then making it their own and incorporating yeah. it into Japanese culture. And
1: doing it really, really well. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, if you think about... Um, Well, so many things that are now considered Japanese food, uh, they came from elsewhere, like ramen came from China, Um, tempura came from the Portuguese that was introduced by them ages ago. Um, And, you know, there's always been this kind of it's funny where people draw the line. Yeah. Because sometimes it's not very clear. <laughs> there are, there's a whole school of, of Japanese food called yoshoku, which means Western food. Okay. But none of that would be recognizable as well, Western, Western food to people just, who are from the West.
1: They've just literally cherry picked a few little rights and then but assimilated in, it. Yeah,
0: but in Japan, there's a recognition that it's not actually Western food yeah. either. It's <laughs> Japanese food, but...
1: You yeah. Know, so every, everyone's kind of in on
0: it but yeah it's, it's very <laughs> nebulous like yeah. it's it's hard to describe sometimes but um yeah they, they definitely like it, this is the other thing I want to say about Tokyo to people yeah. is you know even if you don't have a particular interest in Japan yeah. Japanese food or culture you go to Tokyo anyway yeah. like
1: yeah.
0: because you'll get great pizza you'll get great pasta I had one of the best French meals of my life uh, there we had an incredible uh, I always have incredible Korean food yeah Chinese, I mean, literally kind of any kind of food you want, you'll be able to get a I mean, very that, good version of in that's Tokyo. That's to do
1: with the standards as well, isn't it? I yeah. mean, they won't settle for rubbish food, so they just... They like, really won't. Because, <laughs> like, You know, the, which is shown by the vendor machines, the, right. the convenience stores. If you, if, 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 at that level you're looking for perfection, then obviously the higher you go, the, the better it gets. I yeah. guess. But t- tell us about the pizza thing, because we were talking about that before.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there's a few... Uh, Pizzeria in Tokyo now. Uh, which are
1: recognized are, as, you know, even by Italians. Yeah. Which some, is some of the best in of. the world. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, one of them is Pizza Studio Tamaki. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the other one. There's one guy who's using all Japanese ingredients to create Neapolitan oh, pizzas, okay. um, including things like in his fire, uh, in, in his oven, he's using Japanese cedar wood uh, for oh, the nice. fire, which gives a distinct kind of. Yeah peppery smoke
1: and kind of japanese flour and yeah, the, yeah japanese
0: flour japanese grown tomatoes yeah um and that's like these are the the pizza artisans yeah that's, yeah um which is incredible like that they have that in tokyo because you, you'd never really expect that no I, don't, I wouldn't anyway um then again of course you know we should because yes. <laughs> like you say they kind of give that treatment to anything they can uh but I gotta say, the bulk of pizza sold in Tokyo yeah. or Japan is not like that. Okay. <laughs> um, it is sort of Domino style, right. um, greasy, dirty <laughs> delivery pizza. But that also has its own charm yeah. because of what they've done with it. Like, yeah. you know, obviously you can get like a, a standard pizza topping, sausage, pepperoni, mushrooms, whatever. But you can also get distinctly Japanese uh, toppings, like uh, a popular combination these days is Korean barbecue and mochi. So you get these little wow. chewy rice cakes that have been caramelized slightly with the uh, lovely, salty, spicy meat. That sounds really good. <laughs> right, it does, doesn't it? Um, or what else have I seen on there? Oh, I got to tell the story of my buddy Sam yeah. who moved to Tokyo a long time ago. Um, and <laughs> he said he was at a party early on there and they had pizzas delivered. Yeah. Um, and there was one that, Looked like a normal pizza, okay. um, like cheese and a red sauce. <laughs> and he bit into it and he realized that the red sauce wasn't tomato. It was, he called it mentaiko sludge. <laughs> so it was, mentaiko is a, is a spicy cured cod roe oh. that they'd slathered on this pizza oh. instead of tomato sauce. I don't want that. I don't know about that either. <laughs> but like another thing you'll find is uh, shellfish. You'll find yeah. seafood on pizza and sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. that can be actually really good.
1: No, I'm, um, I'm for
0: that. Yeah, so sea urchin, crab, prawns and... The, the recipe in this book for pizza yeah. tries to combine both worlds. So it's a, it's a proper Neapolitan pizza recipe, um, but with shellfish as the toppings.
1: I want to talk about this recipe I've just flicked over to flavor potato. Yeah. Because what it reminded me of was um, years ago, we used to get these crisps called salt and shake. That's right. So, yeah, they still make uh, those. They still do them. So it was like plain crisp, but you got a little bag of salt, like forbidden salt. So you right. could add your own salt. And you're saying in here that you get like... The fries, and then you get a bag of sort of intense, tangy flavoring. Seasoning with
0: each, dust, yeah.
1: Seasoning dust to apply as you as you would like. Yeah,
0: and you you empty the sachet into yeah. the this paper bag that your fries come in. You shake it up, yeah, and then everything is coated in this incredible salty, yeah. uh, kind of Pringles esque flavoring. Yeah, um, and the flavors themselves are delicious. Like you can get like roasted garlic and Ooh. soy sauce flavor. Um, I think I've got yeah in here. There's a nori butter. Uh, it's like a seaweed butter recipe which uses powdered butter
1: yeah
0: um or mentaiko there's mentaiko again so use uh, smoked uh dashi powder yeah. fish powder mixed with chili why hasn't
1: anybody done that here
0: we're doing it here at the Are restaurant you doing it here? yeah
1: <laughs> yes come to nanban for yeah. your flavor potato we
0: do chili garlic uh japanese curry nori butter and what's the other flavor we do oh dashi salt do you
1: serve it on the side for people to do do, that little thing
0: shake it up in the bag that's so cute
1: (laughs) and also another i mean another classic because you you've highlighted in here is the um the um shoe shoe buns because oh yeah i think patisserie in particular is is super
0: it's amazing huge
1: in japan and it's amazing and they kind of took it off the french and then just went away and made it even better.
0: I mean, there's a photo in this book right yeah. here of a Mont Blanc, oh my which oh, is from a department store so good. Yeah. and and the Mont Blancs in Japan are, are yeah. unreal. Yeah. They're so good. And that's true of most uh, pastries that I've had in Japan. Even the ones from uh, patisseries that are not anything special. Like, yeah. You don't have to go to a really good pastry shop <laughs> yeah. to get a good pastry in Japan. Yeah. Um, they even have them like in train stations next to the convenience store. Yeah. Um, so people can grab a croissant or whatever. Yeah. On their commute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these shoe buns, shoe buns for whatever reason are are very, very popular in Japan. Yeah. Um, and there's one place in uh, Shimokitazawa, which used to be considered kind of like the hipster part of Tokyo, um, that it's a really cute little cafe bakery that does these shoe buns in the shape of Totoro. Yeah, Totoro. The, the I love it. It's one of my
1: favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, I love that. My what what's it called again? My my neighbor Totoro. My, my, yeah. my neighbor Totoro. Yeah. Because um, um, it is this like um there's a word, isn't it? Kawaii. Is it kawaii? Kawaii, which yeah. means cute.
0: Cute. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> and there's a lot of food that is constructed in the image of cute characters the, like Hello Kitty and totally. Totoro. Totally.
0: This is a very yeah a very good example of that. They're also, by the way, I got to say, they're excellent too, shoe buns. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is a bit sad, though. It's a bit gruesome cutting into them. Yeah, you don't want to eat him. It's
1: like he's such a great character. Yeah. Like, I don't want to eat that guy.
0: But it's not just a gimmick. This is the other thing. Like it usually, or too often, I think in most countries, when you see something that looks like a gimmick like this, yeah, it is just a gimmick, and, it's and it not doesn't very taste good. good. Yeah, but these Totoro shoe buns, yeah. it's not just that they're cute; they're delicious. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so eat them anyway. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of the um. Those uh rainbow bagels that swept New York yeah. for a while, and everyone was like, but they taste horrible. Right. They've got so much colouring in them that they literally just taste. It's so weird. But there was people queuing up to get them. Mm. I mean, you know, idiots. Are people
0: still doing those sushi burritos, that was the one that really
1: Oh yeah. Just wrong. It
0: looked really bad. The to ratios
1: me. are all wrong as well. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the future. Cause in the last um in the last section, you talk about Tokyo Modern. Yeah. Um, and obviously there is mad stuff like robots, waiters right. and you know, but then on the food side of stuff, there's a lot of this is where a lot of the high end experimental things are happening, yeah. isn't it? Especially in drinks, I think you said.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of they take there's a lot of people who are taking uh mixology very seriously. Yeah. Um and a lot of them are doing things quite traditionally, quite uh, in a classic way. Yeah. But there are others who do really kind of modernist stuff with them. Um, the main guy, the go-to guy for interesting cocktails, is uh, Gen Yamamoto, right? Whose bar um, offers cocktail tasting menus. And that each, sounds
1: dangerous. It does.
0: <laughs> they're not very big, uh, uh, okay. or they're like they, they're a little bit strong. But, um, <laughs> There's one that's four hotels and one that's six, I think. But they are they are small.
1: Okay. Um, so you could you could still walk away. You can still night. walk away <laughs> and then
0: go do karaoke.
1: <laughs> um,
0: but uh, he, he uh, showcases in seasonal really top quality Japanese nice. produce in the yeah. cocktails uh, so the recipe in this book is is based on one of his kind of famous tomato cocktails yeah so it's amazing. you know we've all had Bloody Mary's yeah um which is really I, I always think of a Bloody Mary's like a soup it's mm. like drinking cold it's like are gazpacho you, are you a
1: fan of it I like Bloody Marys. Yeah. yeah you can only really have one though right because it just fills you right up
0: so Unless, unless I need another one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're just after the vodka, though. Right, then yeah. Let's come on.
0: <laughs> um, but no, this tomato cocktail—it—it it is more uh, like about the tomato. So yeah, it's, it's got like
1: showcase and that. Yeah,
0: it's sweet. got raw, fresh tomato, but also a tomato um, kind of a compote that's been oh, nice. dried and cooked down a yeah. bit. Uh, so you get those layers of, of tomato flavor in there. Um, but yeah, it's not just cocktails. I mean, there are chefs doing all kinds of. Interesting, creative things, and and they're doing them. I think what's interesting is that they're doing them kind of within the parameters yeah. of traditional Japanese cooking, but pushing at the edges a bit. Um,
1: Are we talking about quite quite high end stuff here? Is it is it going to yeah. cost, It's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah, but go. no
0: more than a similar kind of high okay. end meal here.
1: Not crazy money.
0: No, I mean. Yeah crazy for some people but yeah. you know i think people the, the amount that people spend on football tickets is crazy so
1: it's all <laughs> about play, what yeah. you're into yeah, yeah yeah um
0: but yeah i mean so one of the you know uh hottest chefs in Tokyo right now is um uh Zayo Hasegawa okay. who runs Den and he offers a kaiseki meal so a traditional the, the format is a traditional japanese multi course meal yeah. but within that there's very playful humorous Elements, like um, he does a a very famous stuffed uh, chicken wing, fried chicken wing course that he serves in a fake KFC box.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Which you'd never expect at a a traditional Japanese dinner. And it's just, it's fun. It puts a smile on people's faces. Yeah, it's
1: nice to bring that fun element as well. I think when it gets playful is when people can really get into it as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's another chef, um, Seiji Yamamoto, from Rugin, who uh, he I don't know if he did, he probably doesn't do this anymore but mm. in the past he'd done uh squid ink screen printing on plates. Oh
1: my god.
0: Uh and and so you can eat this ink that's printed on the plates yeah. and he um he was famous for printing um a negative review of his restaurant <laughs> I love it. in squid ink on his plate. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Which is like that's awesome, you know. That's really punk rock. yeah,
1: yeah cool. And what about what about you? what What are you planning? What's the next year? I know you've you've got a small child. Just, I have a yeah. Your, your other baby, apart from Tokyo Stories. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, she's a, my daughter. Tig is eleven months, almost a year old. Yeah, almost a year old now. Um, so she takes up a lot of my time, yeah. which is good. But working on another book, which yeah. I can't uh, divulge any details of yet. But okay, um, that
1: sounds exciting.
0: Yep, that will come out next year. Yeah. Um, and then just running the restaurant, basically. C- you know sticking along here in Brixton
1: and you've been brewing some beer recently as well as as part of you do a regular collaboration with breweries
0: yeah so um I've been doing collaborations with breweries since right after MasterChef back in 2011 I started to do do them um, because I was working in the beer industry before that anyway yeah Um, and since then I've done 15 or 16 collaborations the one that most people probably have tried, if any of them, is Namban Kanpai, which yeah. um, was our house beer uh, here at the restaurant, brewed by Pressure Drop, which is a wheat IPA yeah, with good one. yuzu juice. Yeah. Um, but most recently, there have been two collaboration beers recently. One is a rice lager in the style of Kirin, um, brewed with a little bit of Japanese tea uh, and dry hopped. And it's just a really delicious kind of crushable, crisp. Uh, bitter lager. That sounds
1: delicious. It's really good.
0: Uh, I wonder if I have a bottle here. I I do. Um, but then to tie in with Tokyo Stories, I went to Partisan yeah. in Bermondsey. Um, and we have made a, a, a beer inspired by the drinks you can get from convenience stores from Convini. Yeah. Um, so it is, a and, and specifically tea because you can get great oh, iced tea okay. from convenience stores. And I really miss that. Yeah. Um, because the iced tea that they sell here is always really sweetened, sweet. super yeah, sweet, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I just want a good, you know, basic cold brew tea. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so we've got a blend of teas in this beer to Saison base and then, um, because we like it, we put peaches in it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a peach iced tea beer, basically. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Um, But the the label was um, designed uh, collaboratively with Partisan Designer and Evie O, who designed Tokyo Stories. Yeah,
1: because the cover of Tokyo Stories is beautiful. It's got like, um, is it COP? The kind Uh, of cartoon. Yeah.
0: And I have to give a special shout out to Evie and Nasima. Yeah. uh, Rothko, the the photographer, because I think this book is all about them as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Like... They put in so much work and, yeah. and came up with such beautiful stuff. This is a, this is a hard book to put together because um, it's very very dense. Like Tokyo, yeah. there was a lot to fit in here. The the word count is apparently at the maximum it can be for, for a book a of this book. Yeah, <laughs> um, because there's so many sort of stories in here, and um, and then there's all this. Uh, amazing photography we wanted yeah. to get in not just for the food obviously but of tokyo yeah and then evie's designs and, and illustrations um you know we, we put in as well so it, it took a lot of effort to like get it all together yeah. but it came together really really well i'm really happy with how it looks i think
1: was it, it was a publication day yesterday uh
0: yes it was yeah. yes
1: so um so by the time this comes out it will be available to buy um it's a beautiful cookbook and as you said the word count is large however the way you've arranged it gives you such a brilliant entry into whatever level that you're looking at for the food Mm. and it it's just um it's just explained so well i feel like thank you i learned so much from it just from my you know brief read this morning before i came to see you and now it's it's my book so i'm taking it away and i'm gonna peruse (laughs) it even more but
0: um it's a it's good obviously you, you want every when you read a cookbook, you want people to cook from it and yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, and yeah.
1: And the recipes, um, of course, yeah.
0: But also, I hope people read this book and then buy a ticket to Tokyo. <laughs> I hope they
1: do. I would urge anyone to go there. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm. But okay, so um, Tim Anderson, Tokyo Stories. So it's published by Hardy Grant. It's out now. Um, and thank you so much for coming to chat to us again, Tim. And maybe we'll be back when your new book comes out. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you liked this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd really love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our March issue, which has Tim's feature on Tokyo, on the newsstand now, or go and download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.